Well, it's good to be with you this morning, um, and welcome to those that also listen on our podcast. Um, I'm not sure whether you know that we podcast our messages, and we have people listening from Mooney Ponds um, all the way to Maryborough in Queensland, Mountain View in California, Maryland on the east coast of the USA. Um, and so it's good to be reminded that we actually stand on common ground, not only here but also with other Christians across the globe as well and other churches of different denominations. We don't want to just talk about unity, but we want to actively seek it in the body of Christ. Today we continue in our series looking at our common ground as churches of Christ. But it's not as if we as churches of Christ hold a monopoly on this common ground to the exclusion of others. In fact, such is the generosity of the common ground on which we stand and uh, on which we journey through, that we're able to get on board with others who also stand and hold similar convictions as us. Now, going to have a little bit of interaction again today and I'm interested in hearing from you about what a devoted person looks like or would behave like. So, what would a devoted person look or behave like. Think about someone who's devoted to sport, maybe to a a political party um, or someone that's devoted to their family. So, if if you get that image in your mind, um, and I'll race around with the microphone, so try not to go this side and this side too much. No, uh, it'll be all right. Uh, So, someone that's devoted, what do they look like? Devoted to family, devoted to sport, devoted to politics, devoted to cars, whatever else it might be. What's some of the attributes that you would see in that person? So, just pop up your hand and I'll race over and thanks, Joe. They wear clothes that uh, are specific to their beliefs. Okay, so if you're a Holden fan, you might wear uh, a Holden shirt. If you're a a Carlton supporter like me, you might, um, you know, get ridiculed by everyone else. No, I mean, you you might wear a Carlton shirt or whatever else it might be. Um, Other things, as far as someone that's devoted... Sorry. Uh, you have passion and commitment to that interest. Okay, so you show passion and commitment, yep. Other things as far as uh, evidence of someone being devoted to something, yep. Uh, you, you probably defend um, that whatever the thing you're devoted to, if, yep. if, it, if that arose, you needed to defend it. Okay, so Carlton being on the bottom of the ladder, you defend that and say, oh, well, you know, they've only got one way to go. Yep. You'll sacrifice other things in for that cause. Okay, so if you're devoted, you'll sacrifice for that cause, for that which you are devoted to. So if you're devoted to your family, you'll sacrifice other things to be able to spend time with your family or working to support your family. Anything else as far as devoted... No, we've got some down the back. When I go to the football with my son, he's a one-eyed Carlton supporter, and uh, when I go with him, I wear a, a Carlton scarf and a, and a Fitzroy cap because I both Fitzroy or the Brisbane Lions. Okay, all right. So you, you're devoted to family, to, and so you support him, but then you also support your own team. Lorraine? You share it with others. Okay, so when you're devoted to something or someone... You actually share the excitement or the the love of that um, thing or that person with others. Yep. You have a role model or a hero. You know, you... Yep. So you, when you're devoted to something, you might have a, a hero or a role model that you'll follow after. Okay. So 
when we think about being devoted to Jesus, what does that then look like? How do we show our devotion to Jesus? I'm happy to get some feedback on that. Yep. I think it's by living as close as possible to the example that Christ himself set. Okay. So, kind of like what Robert said about having a hero or a role model and that you want to emulate them. So, if we're wanting to be devoted to Jesus, we want to emulate him and to follow his role model and to live as closely as possible. That doesn't mean that we wear the same clothes that Jesus might have worn in the first century, but we would behave in, with the same values and the same belief systems that Jesus emulated as well, Yeah. Other things as far as how do we show our devotion to Jesus? Yeah. Thanks, Lane. It's the same as what Lorraine just said. It's almost like sharing about him. Yeah. Or, or, um, involve, involving him in every conversation that you have with others. Okay. So, you that, that Jesus isn't an off-limits topic of conversation, that he's, because he's an active part of your life, you actually talk about Jesus to others. Um, not necessarily shoving Jesus down their throats, but that it's just, as you would talk about, being a, a grandmum and um, having a grandbaby and get excited about that, you get excited about your relationship with Jesus and you share that with others as well. Anything else as far as an example of being devoted? I'll go around this way this time. Oh, again, um, passion and commitment to, the, to Jesus and also the time, how much time you spend in the 24-hour day yep. just thinking about Jesus and doing his work. Yep, Okay. All right. It was once said that um, if it was outlawed that being a follower of, like, if it was outlawed to be a follower of Jesus, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you that you're a follower of Jesus? For Northern, in 2017, we completed a survey about ourselves and we discovered that 45% of us daily or most daily or, um, or almost daily spend time connecting with God in prayer, in reading um, the, the, the Bible, uh, in meditation and that from, that's grown from 32% in 2006 but it's a smidge under what the Churches of Christ of Australia is currently set out at about 48% of those that read the Bible daily or almost daily or spend time in meditation or prayer. And as in 2007, as you reflected on growing in your faith, 92% of you saw that you had grown in your faith over the previous year. As a faith community, we walk on common ground common ground that longs to see people engage in a personal spiritual journey with Jesus the Christ. When Campbell and Stone laid the foundations of what became known as the Churches of Christ, there was, there was a devotion to and a deep desire to see people connect with Jesus in meaningful, life-transforming ways. And from our beginnings, the Bible is core to our connection with Jesus and our personal transformation. In 1804, Stone and some of his associates announced that they would take the Bible alone as their rule of faith, um, to the exclusion of all other creeds. And they took the name of Christian to the exclusion of all other sectarian or denominational names. 
The Spirit in each of us and in the church discerns the things of the Spirit of God in the New Testament. Deep calls to deep. Secondly, we accept the New Testament witness as from God because it is, because it is constant with Christ. The written word is consistent with the living word. Through he, uh, though he is, uh, is um, mediated to us by the Bible, he is the measure of the Bible in its own bosom, is some of the stuff that Stone wrote about. Rather than seeking to control the Bible and its use, Campbell actually sought to set it free. The King James Version, that was the version of the day um, and it used words uh, that look like thy and thou and thine and goeth and knowest. And they changed this in the New Translation so that it was in the, 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 the New Testament uh, was changing its wording and Campbell's aim was to put that translation in the vernacular, in the language, in the common uh, wording of the people. And it was published and distributed in, in 1826 by Alexander Campbell and it was called The Living Oracles. And it rocked the established church and uh, Christian leaders and there was a build-up of hostility against Campbell in his desire to make it so available and so um, plain in its English and its use of English. Campbell wanted to have the Bible in their present day-to-day -day living language. It has been said that one of his greatest contributions to the church was that he gave the Bible to the people. For some Christian churches, there has been an active discouragement of people reading the Bible, even up to the late 1970s or later. Often this stemmed from a concern about error and protecting the interpretation of the Bible. If we do it for you, if we interpret the Bible for you, then at least we're guaranteed that you'll get it right. Whereas if you interpret it for yourself, then oh, you, know, you never know what sort of errors might creep in. In reading the National Catholic Register website, it comments many Protestants believe that Catholics were actually taught to not read the Bible, whereas in fact they, they used to often be taught, um, they were often not taught to read the Bible and there was a, a logical difference between that. One, they were taught not to read the Bible, you don't read the Bible. Well, that wasn't actually the case, it's just that they weren't actively encouraged to read the Bible. Sterling writes, churches of Christ have been anxious for all Christians to discover together from the New Testament the mind of Christ for the unity of the contemporary church. With this, Sterling echoes the heart of Acts chapter 2, which we connected with a few weeks ago. In Acts 2 verses 42 to 47, we read this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their uh, property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Later, 
Paul, when he's writing to Timothy, someone that Paul had developed and trained and given opportunity to be involved in ministry as a young church leader, Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realise what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people for every good work. For Paul and for centuries later, for Campbell and Stone and closer to home for Wilson and Sterling, there is an understanding understanding and an appreciation for the centrality of the Bible, especially the New Testament, in developing, empowering and releasing the fullness of the gospel message in and through our lives. But it doesn't mean that we can't be enriched by others and other ways that God reveals truth and inspiration. Once again, Sterling writes that in, and in our study, alongside the Bible, we use helpful books, also using our critical faculties uh, to be aware of how uh, what we read is in harmony with the mind of Christ as is revealed in the Scriptures. We can be inspired and we can be encouraged in our spiritual journey through arts, whether it be music, dance, theatre, movies, poetry, craft and paintings. For me, a picture that I come back to again and again is the creation of Adam by Michelangelo in the 16th century. For me, as I reflect upon that artwork, I am struck by the posture of Adam and the posture of God. I see within the story of the Bible uh, the the fact that it's unfortunately way too often a reality in my life as well, that I too easily fall into the posture of Adam, who effortlessly does the bare minimum in my effort to connect with Creator God. Yet time and time again, in the Bible and in my life, Yahweh God reaches out to connect with me. He initiates, He stretches, and Creator God longs to connect with the Creator. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, even after Adam and Eve have stuffed up, they've wrecked things and they've gotten things very wrong, God initiates contact with them. The Son of God took on human flesh and blood. The immortal takes on mortality to connect with first century um, people that were broken and lost. The scum of the earth, he connected with them to transform their lives. And God initiates today, reaching out to us. But I wonder how often we're like Adam, almost ambivalent to God's stretch for connection with us. Not because God is needy, looking for affirmation, looking to be completed by us, but out of His recognition of our need for Him. For us as the churches of Christ, we stand on the common ground of this value. We value various spiritual practices and disciplines described in the New Testament as aspects of our formation as disciples of Jesus and our constant renewal by God and the Holy Spirit. 
Therefore, we will passionately encourage active personal formation through practices and disciplines that include but are not limited to baptism, the breaking of bread, fellowship, prayer, worship, meditation, stewardship, spiritual gift discovery, etc. Quoting once again from Sterling, once the churches of Christ were, we were once in the churches of Christ, we were certain that we had the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Now we are more humble and think of ourselves as earnest seekers after truth, who are hoping to find it in God's revelation of Himself through Jesus, as together with other Christians, we seek it under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So churches of Christ have a responsibility to listen to other Christians. They have always believed that God continually has new truth to break forth from His Word. From the beginning, they have desired dialogue with other Christians so that together from the Scripture, God's truth for His church may be discovered. But as we engage with others and the Scriptures, we don't do this in ignorance or in arrogance of the wider world. Even the Apostle Paul was aware of current literature and philosophical thought and he was able to draw people closer to God as a result of referring to those things. Menzies, reflecting on the Stone-Campbell movement, says that um, the Stone-Campbell movement has always reasoned theologically and philosophically with major intellectual ideas of the day. We have always dealt with ideas of real currency. So we seek to be relevant not just parroting scripture and cliches to others as we seemingly shout to the world around us, but we seek to meaningfully and lovingly engage. So in the common ground of a personal spiritual journey with Jesus the Christ, we find that we are enriched in our form, formation as followers of Jesus through the breadth of Christian tradition, the arts which challenge and develops our understanding of Yahweh God. We open ourselves up to the moving and the brooding of the Spirit of God in us and over us as a faith community. So in a posture of listening to each other and what has helped you in your spiritual journey, I want to open it up just for a few minutes to hear about from you what has helped you in your connection with Jesus the Christ. What's been a challenge, what's been an encouragement, what's been an inspiration, what have you found that has helped to encourage you in your relationship with Jesus? And then I'll make a couple of closing um, comments at the end of it. So, as you think about your relationship with Jesus, what have you found helpful in that space? And we'll share that with one another. While you think, I've got a few resources here. Um, one of the ones that really helped me um, was reading the book The Sacred Way by Tony Jones. It's a cracker of a book, really good, where Tony Jones takes a, a year-long sabbatical and engages in a range of spiritual disciplines and practices from genuflecting, incense, meditation, um, a whole range of different things that he engages in and it's a, a great read and a great encouragement to engage in different practices as well. Um, Mary... Um, has talked about the, or she has found uh, uh, Wayne Caderio's uh, The Divine Mentor as a great book as well. Um, and currently I'm reading through 101 Devotions for Guys. It's actually a, a 
kids, um, youth sort of a devotional book. And I just reckon it's great. It's really good. Uh, something else that I found helpful is prayer rope. So uh, rather than the rosary and that sort of thing, the prayer rope, uh, you've got different uh, knots and for each knot, I would say the, the centering prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then you go through and do that and then when you get to a red bead, you say the Lord's Prayer, our Father, and then you go through and you do that. And it's a way of slowing down. So rather than just hitting um, a time with God, you know, okay, I've got this limited time, I'm going to spend some time with God, get it over and done with, it's a way of slowing down and saying, okay, how do I still myself so that I'm actually in a better posture, a better place to hear from God as He speaks to me? Because it's not just about connecting with God so I can just tell God everything that I want to tell Him. But it's also about taking time to listen to God and what He wants to talk to me about. So if others as well, um, I've got some other resources that I can talk about, but things that you found helpful in connecting with God? Um, I've just discovered an app. Uh, yep. It's a Bible reading that um, gives me a little reminder at 10.30 in the morning to stop what I'm doing at work, read a little scripture. Fantastic. So yeah, so with the age of technology, apps can be fantastic. So something on your phone, um, that's, that can be really helpful. Since foreigners, um, the different insects, uh, you know, bird feathers, how God yep. created all the animals, and yep, you know, just the quietness out in in the bush too. Yeah, yep. So sometimes it can be the setting. So spending time in the bush, um, looking at God's creation, looking at a feather, and just imagining and, and thinking about the intricacy of the feather and all that God's done in that or in a bug or spider or whatever, if you like spiders, but if you don't, that's okay, just don't handle them too much. Um, one thing for me is is trying to not have separation, like sometimes you can kind of wake up in the morning and maybe say a prayer and then forget about God for the rest of the day and then maybe when you're going back to sleep you can say a prayer or that, you know, that sort of thing. Yep. Um, and one thing that our, our small group did um, was... We just got a little rock and then a little pebble and just I have it in my in my pocket um, through the day and um, and every time I sort of notice it there um, the well for our small group it was about thinking about um, God's love um, God's hospitality towards us yep. and I, and it really um, it, it sort of helped me like in in a conversation that I'm having just to actually ask God in that moment um, God I know you love this person ha, um, help me to to act in a in a way that shows your love, you know, yeah. and so it was just a kind of little reminder of yeah. of my my walk with Jesus through the day. That's brilliant because often we can we can treat spending time with God as a box to tick. Okay, I've done that. I can move on with my life. I can move on with the rest of the day rather than incorporating it into all of aspects of my day. So that's a fantastic clue, Matt. Thanks. Um, yeah, for me, it's journaling. I find it's really good to be able to write things down. It's a prayerful way of it's a, a type of prayer where I journal and write it down, but it saves me analysing it so mm -hmm. I can learn to discern whether that's God speaking to me or whether yep. it's just my own thoughts. Yeah, and it's a great thing that you can then go back to and look at the, the journey that God's had you on as well. So Mary is an avid journaler and she's got journals going back to, I think, just after we got married. I think I drove it a prayer. Sulita and I, even at in our age, we still have problems once in a while with our relationship. 
I got this pain, constant pain, and a lot of problems in my life every day. But uh, for years now, we have we have been reading the daily bread, mm-hmm. the devotional in prayer and all that, and, and then we pray. So we read the Bible in the morning. I read my uh, daily verse through the app, the uh, through the app in the uh, we call it. Mm-hmm. On your phone? Yep. Yeah, the Bible. Yep. And that really helps, especially when we need really something to uh, uh, make us feel well and at peace with the Lord. We always crave for that. And there are times when we miss it and something's missing. Mm. And it's missing the devotional, the daily yep. prayer, the prayer. Yeah. And I and we read, I read the Bible 700 times a year and that really helps me. Yep. And, and so having those regular things that we do, one of the things, so you said our daily bread, one of the things that I found was helpful to come back to, even though I've been a, a follower of Jesus for a number of years, is every day with Jesus for new Christians. Just to reorientate myself to the foundational truths of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So you can be a Christian for 20 years or longer and pick up something like that and you think, oh, it's nice and refreshing to get back to the basics of what, what is it about. So daily bread, prayer, spending time as a couple, doing that as well. Anything else that people want to... Yep. Sorry, just one other thing for me is um, like uh, for those of us who aren't really into reading or who find that, mm. that a bit challenging, um, I always think that um, for me it's really great to remind myself that it's not just a journey with just me and Jesus, but yeah. that, that we're, we're together with, with um, fellow Christians. Mm. And so, you know, there's so many ways in which God speaks to me through other people. Yeah. And so by, by having deepening friendships and, and being willing to be a bit vulnerable with each other, sharing your, your challenges, um, as well as, you know, um, having a laugh together, it, you really do find the richness of, of, um, of God in those people. Yeah. Um, so that's just another important Absolutely. one. Because we, we need to remember that Jesus is just as much present in someone else who is a follower of him as he is in us. And the Holy Spirit can, you know, there's that resonating with other people and we can draw encouragement from them and be, be challenged by them and journey with them in their walk with Jesus. And that can be a great source uh, for us as well. So down the back... I'm a visual person, mm-hmm. so if I'm sitting on a beach, I can... Um, my dad once said to me, the waves are like the love of God, it never stops coming. A beautiful cloud, a nice bush, the colours of the leaves changing. Yep. But very important, are people around me who are setting a good example to me in their faith of Jesus. Yep. So once again, you can learn from others and what it means to be a follower of Jesus by connecting with others, but also by observing God's creation. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for that. You know, in the busyness of shepherding, um, Moses could have easily have missed the burning bush. Once again, it's a beautiful metaphor of God stretching out to make connection with his creation. In the busyness of our day, how often might we miss God's burning bush for us? You see, for us to engage well with the world around us, for us to be centred, not flustered 
by the latest happenings in our world. It comes from centering ourselves by investing time in a personal spiritual journey with Jesus the Christ. Not to be people who shake their fist at the world and shout scripture at the world, but people who are first and foremost transformed by the power of the word. Once again, Sterling puts it, churches of Christ came into existence because of dissatisfaction with formalism, churchliness, and a religion of dreary rules and regulations designed to bind the faithful. When, when they looked back behind all of this to the New Testament, they saw a lifestyle that was joyous, powerful, and world-shaking. They saw this lifestyle arose from an acceptance by thousands of people of this simple message, Jesus Christ is alive. They did not accept it merely as a proposition. They accepted the living Christ into their lives as a life-changing power. We have an opportunity to respond now to the things that God's been saying to us through the service and through this time. And there's a couple of questions that I just wanted to leave with you as we have some music played in just a moment. Who or what has helped you deepen in your personal spiritual journey with Jesus the Christ? Maybe write a prayer of thanks for that or for that person. What is an obstacle to you investing more in your relationship with Jesus? Maybe offer a prayer asking God to help you overcome this obstacle. And then lastly, who could you encourage in their personal spiritual journey? Maybe write a prayer for that person and the opportunity for you to be an encouragement to them. Let's take some time to respond to the things that God's been saying to us today. God bless you.